me see if I can get organized and get my ducks in a row up here. I have been known to get up here and mess up. <laughs> the last time I tried to preach this message, this is uh, all folded up on one piece. I got on the wrong page and things didn't make sense. So I'm going to try to do better with that this morning. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 1 and uh, most probably our key verses this morning, many of you have committed to memory and I've even heard uh, heard them set to music. Very one, uh, By the way, I have to have glasses too, that always helps. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed, you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. By the way, I'm reading from the New King James. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not, do, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets that they may have glory from me. And assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do your charitable deeds, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not do, use vain repetition as the heathens do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of him. And uh, this is our important verses this morning. In this manner, therefore, pray. And you may have memorized this in the King James and I have a habit of kind of going back and forth into it myself. Our Father, the King James says, who art in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And that's a mouthful. The Lord Jesus Christ never intended for our good deeds and our prayers to be become so ordinary that 
They become ritualistic in offering them. We are to pray often, or to pray in secret, and on occasion in public, but always with sincerity. Brings us to point one this morning. Worship, we are to worship in spirit and in truth. And this is found in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It is important that we properly know how to approach God so that we might be accepted. Even non-Christian religions teach their people how to pray. And someone has added for all the good that it does them, does them now. Personally, I think God answer, hears all prayers. He doesn't answer all prayers. But it, I think he even hear, hears the prayers of, of the unbelievers and the heathens out there because sometimes those people are turning to him. And the old saying is that man proposes and God disposes. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants to. And he'll always do what's right. Always. Even Plato wrote a dialogue on prayer in the New Testament. We're told that John the Baptist gave his special instructions to his uh, disciples. And then Jesus gave the church this model prayer to follow. Later he added that we must pray in Jesus' name. And I hear a lot of prayers in churches today, and I know you do too. And we all must always end up in Jesus' name. That's kind of an putting an authentication stamp on it that the Lord will at least hear it and consider it. And notice that our prayers are to be offered in to God the Father. We're not to pray to saints, living or dead. And it is the custom of some people to pray to saints, but when you look at the model prayer, you, you have a hard time justifying it. And I, to me, it's, it seems that if you're praying to a saint, what you're doing is putting that saint between you and God. And that's the place where the Lord's supposed to be, Jesus is supposed to be. And nobody can take the place of Jesus, no one. And some people... Or nor are we to pray to angels, I should say. In Revelation chapter 22, John fell down to worship at the feet of an angel and was basically told, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant just like you. And we're certainly not to create or bow down and offer our prayers to any kind of idol, for that's prohibited by the God's commandments. And God is a spirit. And no one can see a spirit. So we don't know what he looks like, nor do we know what Jesus looks like. We do know that, uh, that the scriptures tell us that he wasn't probably a very handsome man, probably in every way except look. He says, for no, you know, would have no, no one would have any desire towards him. Uh, and I, I saw that demonstrated one time on a TV and this fellow that they chose to play the part of Jesus was as ugly as he could be. He was not good looking at all. And that fit the mold, I thought, right then. 
Maybe that's what he's like and that's what he looks like. Maybe, not maybe, one of these days if we know the Lord, we're going to see him face to face and we're going to know what he looks like. And what, you know, what a wonderful day that will be. Notice the, the words, our Father, hallowed be. This implies that God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It also implies salvation through faith in Jesus, the new birth, and adoption into God's family. And an old song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And I know that I am this morning, and I know you are as well. So we are to address our prayers to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, his Son. Notice second, and this is point number two, the coming of God's kingdom. And this is, is found in verse 10, thy kingdom come. The kingdom for which we are to pray for is the messianic kingdom, the rule of Christ here on earth. We can, uh, no stretch of the imagination, say that that's, happening today when we look around us and we have wars everywhere, people killing each other, murdering each other on the streets for no good reason. So that's, that is not happening now. Uh, the, that kingdom is not here now. We still have people in the, wor people in the world who worship idols made of wood and stone. Untold millions are caught up in the delusions called Islam and the Jewish people by the millions still refuse to believe in Christ. And some of these folks, I guess you could say, are a man of Antichrist because they fight against him at every turn. And not only that, but there are those who call themselves Christians which have some besetting sin that they refuse to give up for Christ. That's a common thing, I think. And none of us None of us truly serve and love him as we should. If we really serve Jesus like we should, we would love him more and serve him better, I'm sure. So let us pray for the coming of God's kingdom upon the, all the earth, that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of, lo of the Lord and his Christ. In short, we are to pray for the return of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's very close as I look around and see what's happening in the world. How can you not say that he's at the door and it's not going to be long till he comes? <clears throat> A lot of people have said that. I... Uh, went to the Baptist bookstore in Little Rock one day and it was the day after somebody had set a date. The day before as far as he was concerned Jesus was supposed to come. They were giving his book away in the store. They were absolutely giving it away. So we shouldn't set dates but I think it's very close. And I think it'll be a, it'll be a wonderful thing too.
next notice that we are to pray for eternal righteousness on earth. Verse 10, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The God's will being done on earth should start with us, and that is in the word obedience. We should live righteous lives insofar as we are able. Fairness, justice, and equality to be our goals. We are to be righteous in character and in action. But eternal righteousness on earth will only be possible when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Until then, we're, we can pray for it and look forward to it. But we can't bring it. It has to be done by the Lord. Next notice, and this is point four, our daily physical needs. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know if you noticed in the last, it's been in the last two weeks program on TV, a woman telling about her experiences as a child in World War II seems the war came to their doorstep and they had to get up and leave. And they ended up sheltering in some kind of factory or warehouse and it was deep snow outside and there came one morning when they didn't have a thing to eat. And the father said, they was, he was asked by the little girl if they had if what they were going to eat. He says, I don't know. I'm going out into the forest and I'm going to pray for our daily bread. On the way back, he found a loaf of bread on the stump. Now, you can think somebody put it there if you want to, but I know in my heart that God did. And if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, it should. Give us this day can very easily be turned into the selfishness one Bible verse says, you have not because you ask not. You're ask amiss, it should say. And one commentator says that the word daily in the Greek should be translated as needful. Give us our needful bread. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 says, Remove falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. And what we need must not be interpreted as all that we desire. Contentment is reached by moderate wants, not by multiplying possessions. Proverbs chapter 30 goes on to tell us about multiplying of possessions. It says the leech has two daughters, give and give. You know, we can ask the Lord to give too much. We can ask amiss. I think that's what that points to. And Proverbs also says there are three things that are never satisfied, four that never says enough, the grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and fire. Never say enough. Proverbs 30, verses 15 and 16. 
And notice of point five is the tenderness of heart. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Sometimes it is really hard for us to forgive others when they have hurt us in such a such terrible ways. And sometimes the shoe is on the other foot. Sometimes it's us that's hurt someone else. And we need to be forgiven. That tender heart. We need that tender heart towards the Lord as well. And the debts we're talking about here are our sins. It's the debts we owe divine justice for our violation of God's law. And all of us are sinners or debtors. We're very much in need of the tenderness of heart, that is, having our sins ever before our face and asking God's pardon. I, I try not to have long accounts with the Lord. I try to ask daily for the forgiveness of my sins. And I, I know that we're told that when we come to Christ, we're forgiven of our sins yesterday, today, and forever. But I still think a tender heart towards the Lord and, and confessing our sins is the way to go until someone tells me different. And so far, no one has. Our sins are not forgiven. Our, and we can be in a situation where our sins are not forgiven and God is our enemy and we're in danger from minute to minute dropping into hell. In such a state, no one can have a peace of mind. Many years ago, there was a preacher that preached a sermon called it Sinners in the Hands of the Angry God. In those days, they used candles to read the sermons, and they were read and published. And It says when the sermon was preached that the, preach, the people got a really good grip on the pews because they felt like they were going to fall off into hell. And that's what we're talking about here. And by the way, they published those, those sermons in, in, in the newspaper in those days. So this is a debt, our sin debt, that none of us can repay. If it's possible to weep in hell, rivers of tears will be shed by those who try to repay their own sin debt. The only possible way to pay their sin debt is to turn to Jesus Christ. And those that say that they have no sin, Scripture says there are liars and the truth is not in them. I've heard people say that before, that they didn't sin. But the minute they said that, they were sinning. Scripture says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. So therefore, we're telling a lie. So notice it says, as we forgive our debtors, a tender heart means that... Uh, the more conscious we are of God's forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future, the more likely we will be able to forgive those who sin against us. Someone has written 
He who is indulgent towards another's faults will be mercifully dealt with by the supreme judge. And that's uh, a little word of wisdom from the Jewish Talmud. And it is, it is wisdom, by the way. Next we have victory in spiritual conflict, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just as we are to depend upon God for our physical needs, we are to depend on him for our spiritual welfare. Life is full of temptations, and when we overcome them, we strengthen our character. One commentator wrote, there can be no virtue without temptation to vice. In other words, without temptation. In few things is God's power of bringing good out of evil seen more clearly than when he returns to what the devil intended as an occasion for our fall into opportunities for our wealth. Every temptation vanquished adds to the richness of the soul. But we being aware of our weakness, weakness should often pray. We're not too often allowed to be tempted. In any case, God will give us victory if we pray for it. And this is point seven, the supremacy of God through eternity. Verse 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this model prayer ends with a doxology. The honor and praise to God is to be threefold. His kingdom will be endless. His power will be supreme through eternity. And his glory will be forever. And we'll be with him. That is a wonderful, wonderful thought. That's uh, the best thing we can look forward to. An old saying is that I heard long ago, and I heard it from a very young man, by the way, and he was referring to Jesus. And he says, I had a debt I could not pay, and he had a, he paid a debt he did not owe. We have really should have come to, to grips with the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And this is a model prayer. We are to pray to God the Father through God the Son and be led by the Holy Spirit. And that is our message this morning. Let us pray. Father God, we just bow before you this day. We confess our need of you and we confess our sins, Lord, that we barely will make it into the kingdom through the skin of our teeth. And Lord, we thank you for, for dying on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, for, for that. Lord, we pray that you will bless our country, that we will 
have a great awakening uh, and our people will turn from their sins and seek your face. Lord, we do need you. And Lord, we just pray that you bless this church and all our little churches across this association, Lord, that have gotten down to just a precious few. And we pray, Lord, that you'll send us people that where our prayers, our pews may be full and our prayers may be answered and we see people saved. Lord, lives changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.